Hey, it's great to be with you. It's great to be back. Um, I see some new faces. Uh, I see some old faces. Uh, sorry, Paul. I, I mean, I see familiar faces. Uh, but it's great. Uh, it's great to be back with you. Um, a special thanks to Jim and Judy for hosting me last night. That was uh, a blessing uh, to have a, a warm bed and not have to get up at six o'clock in the morning to drive up here. Um, as, uh, as some of you, we've had, had an opportunity to chit-chat a little bit out there. Some of you know uh, we've gone down to Florida. Um, there's a little bit of controversy about how you pronounce where I'm from now. Um, so I'll, just to help clarify that, there's actually two pronunciations, one for the day and one for at night. So during the day, it's called Kissimmee, but at night it's called Kissimmee. Okay. So that's, uh, that's where we're at now, uh, but I had the opportunity to come back and preach at uh, the church I planted uh, in uh, Bainbridge uh, last week, and um, this series, let me just give you a little bit of background on, on, on the title of this. The, so this was the first message in the series at, at, at Berean Bible Church, where I used to pastor, and um, it actually, the story of this goes back a couple of years ago, where we were having a meeting, a pastors and elders meeting, and, uh, you know, we're having a, a, a lively discussion. I wouldn't say a debate, but a discussion. And something was said. And now, I've been through all the training as far as, you know, how you're supposed to handle conflict, right? You know, the whole, like, you know, I hear what you're saying, but have you considered, you know, all the, the nice ways of saying, like, I disagree, right? I, I've, I've heard all those things. I probably taught those things in college courses, but... Um, at this moment, I just blurted out, I completely disagree. And the whole room just started laughing <laughs> uh, because of the way that I said that. And so that became the, uh, the, the seed thought for us as we started to put together our sermon series for the next year and talking about, you know, how could we do a sermon series on this topic? I completely disagree. Um, you're going to see that as we go through this, it, it, this first message in the series is just, it's primarily about doctrinal disagreements. And uh, there's a fair share of that around, right? I mean, he, when, it, when you talk about disagreement, I mean, <laughs> when it comes to politics, right, we have all kinds of disagreements. Uh, you know, you name the area of life today, and it seems like that we have more disunity than ever. Um, but, it, but that's true in the church as well. And... Um, you know, all you have to do is look around and, and look at the various denominations that we have, right? Um, not to pick on the Baptists, but, but just look at Baptists. I mean, Baptists, it's like Baskin-Robbins, right? There's like 39 varieties of Baptist churches. Um, you know, there's, there's a, a Free Will Baptist Church, and there's Reformed Baptist Church, and there's American Baptist Church, which means that there must be an un-American Baptist Church, right? And and there's all, you know, all kinds of varieties um, involved in that. But listen, you know, Baptists are not the only ones. Uh, you know, Methodists, there's, there's all kinds of variations of Methodists and Presbyterians. You, you just go down the line. And when you, when you go back and you look at the reason why there's all these denominations, it's because they divided over doctrine. They, there, there was a, an issue that they couldn't agree on, and so they said, you know what, we're going to separate, and we're going to do our own thing, and we're going to fellowship with only the people 
that believe exactly the way we believe. This morning, hopefully you'll see that there is some danger in that. To give an example for you, I want to just for a moment talk about 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. If you want to get a head start, we're going to be in Acts chapter 15. Acts chapter 15. But in 1 Thessalonians 4, if you're familiar with that passage, it talks about the second coming of Jesus. And if there's a topic that you want to get you know, people riled up about, it's talking about end times. And you can get 10 people together and you can have 11 different views on the end times. And as you go through and you read 1 Thessalonians 4, there's some, there's some people that look at that passage and say, Jesus is coming back before the tribulation, before the, the seven-year judgment that's described in the book of Revelation. But then there's other people that look at that exact same passage and they say, no, Jesus is coming back at the end of the tribulation, post-tribulation, right? But then there's other groups that even look at that passage and they come to the conclusion, oh, Jesus is coming back in the middle of the tri tribulation, right? They all, they all have different opinions from that same passage. But here's the thing, as Paul goes through and describes the coming of Jesus, here's how he concludes the passage. He says this, he says, therefore, encourage one another with these words. But now let me, let me read that verse to you from the New American Evangelical Translation. Have you ever heard that before? No, because I just made it up, okay? So the New American Evangelical Translation reads this way. Therefore, debate one another with these words. Right? Like, honestly, that's what we fall into the trap of doing. We, we get a passage like that, that that maybe isn't as crystal clear as we think it should be, and so then we debate and argue with one another. But, but Paul's intention of talking about Jesus' coming isn't to you know, clarify the doctrine of end times, but he wants us to just simply encourage one another with these words. So at the end of the day, the bottom line is, is it doesn't matter whether Jesus is coming before the tribulation, after the tribulation, or in the middle of the tribulation. The good news is Jesus is coming back. Amen? Amen. That's right. So that's just an example of how we can allow things that we completely disagree about separate us and ruin relationship and cause division. So if you would, join me in Acts chapter 15, because we're going to look at an example. It's really one of the first examples that we see of the early church. Listen, they had a major disagreement. And when you think about these disagreements, especially when it comes to doctrine, I want to preface this by saying that when we talk about doctrinal disagreements, we do have to keep in mind that there are some things that are essential and there are other things that are non-essential. So, for instance, essential doctrines are things that we, we really need to agree on. And so when it comes to like salvation by faith alone, by grace through Jesus Christ. Like that's that should be a non-negotiable. That's a that's an essential. Right? But when we start talking about end times or how we do communion or or even like how we set up the leadership of the church, or there's just a lot of things 
that should fall in that non-essential category. But here's the problem. In most of these cases, every, every, like people believe that everything is essential. Like Their views are 100% accurate, and if you don't agree with them 100%, then I need to fellowship with somebody else that agrees with me 100%. And so as we look at this passage and we look at this uh, doctrinal controversy that took place in the early church, I want you to be thinking about, is this an essential doctrine that they were fighting over or is this a non-essential doctrine? All right. So join me in Acts chapter 15 and we'll start out by looking at verses 1 through 6. It says, but some men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers this. Unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. And after Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and debate with them, I love, there's a, I think the New Living Translation says they vehemently disagreed. So they, they had this strong debate. Paul and Barnabas and some of the others were appointed to go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and the elders about this question. So being sent on their way by the church, they passed through both Phoenicia and Samaria, describing in detail the conversion of the Gentiles. And brought and this brought great joy to all the brothers. And when they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders. And they declared all that God had done with them and through them. But some believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees rose up and said, it is necessary to circumcise them in order to keep the law of Moses. So then the apostles and elders were gathered together to consider this matter. So as you look at this, this controversy, it really, it, it goes, it's rooted back into this uh, conflict, both religiously and culturally, because there are those, there are Jews they came to know Jesus. They became Jesus followers. They, 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 were, they were saved out of Judaism and, and became Jesus followers, especially in the city of Jerusalem. Go, go back to Acts chapter 2 and see the, the birth of the church and, and the coming of the Holy Spirit. Many of those people that were saved that day were Jewish. But then the Apostle Paul and Barnabas, they start their missionary journeys and they start going out and the people that are coming to know Jesus are not Jews. They're Gentiles. They're non-Jewish people. They don't have all that history and, and background and, and religious uh, upbringing in the Old Testament. And so now there's this conflict because there are those that have been saved out of Judaism, but yet they want their Jewish practices to continue in the church. They believe that the Gentiles should now follow the law of Moses just like they do. So here's what they're doing. Whether they intended this or not, they're taking the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, and they're adding to it. They're saying, you, you need to make a, a decision to follow Jesus. You need to accept what he did for, for you on the cross but you also need to do this other thing. And so as you look at this, it really it goes back to Mosaic Law. Like They're pointing back to the fact that 
Moses said in Genesis and, and, and all the way through, even in Leviticus, right? This, this idea of circumcision is something that you have to do. If, you're not, if you don't do it, then you'll, you'll be cut off from the, 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 the family. You'll be cut off from, from the nation of Israel. And so these Jewish believers are saying, it's Jesus plus this. So as you, as you think about that, is that, do you think, is that essential doctrine or is that non-essential doctrine? How, how many people think it's non-essential doctrine? Okay. How many people think it's essential doctrine? Okay. <laughs> Every, no, no, everybody's afraid to ask, right? Everybody's afraid to respond. So I would, I would say, based on the fact that they're, they're talking about salvation, that this is an essential doctrine, right? This is something that the early church had to hammer out. They had to resolve. And so let's just go through the rest of the passage. What I'd like to do is read through the entire passage, and then we'll circle back and we'll, we'll go through it uh, little chunks at a time to talk about our application. But let's pick up at verse 7 and just continue the story so you have a full sense of, of what's happened here. So verse 7, it says, After there had been much debate, Peter stood up and, and said to them, Brothers, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you, that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did us. So the Gentiles, who were following Jesus, making the decision to become a Jesus follower, were getting the Holy Spirit just like the Jews did. And God made it no distinction between us being talking about Jews and them, having cleansed their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? But we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, just as they were. And so all the assembly fell silent, and they listened to Barnabas and Paul as they related what signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. So after they finished speaking, James replied, Brothers, listen to me. Simeon has related how God first visited the Gentiles to take from them a people for his name. And with this, the words of the prophets agree, just as it is written, after this, I will return and I will rebuild the tent of David that has fallen. I will rebuild its ruins and I will restore it. Then the remnant of mankind may seek the Lord and all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who makes these things known from the old. So therefore, my judgment, this is still James speaking, my judgment is that we should not trouble those of the Gentiles who turn to God, but should write to them to abstain from the things polluted by idols and from sexual immorality and from what has been strangled from, and from blood. These, these, from ancient generations, Moses had in every city those who proclaimed him, for he's read every Sabbath in the synagogues. And so the council got together and they, they wrote a letter. So they said it seemed good to the apostles and elders with the whole church to choose men from among them and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. So they sent Judas and Barsabbas and Silas, leading men among the brothers, with the following letter. The brothers, both the apostles and the elders, to the brothers who are the Gentiles in Antioch and Syria and Cilicia, greetings. 
since we have heard that some persons have gone out from us and troubled you with their words, unsettling your minds, although we gave them no instruction. So we, yes, they came out from us, but we didn't tell them this. So it seems good to us, having come to one accord, they came to agreement, to choose men to send them to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have therefore sent Judas and Silas, and who themselves will tell you the same things by the word of mouth. For it has seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay on you no greater burden than these simple requirements, that you abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols and from blood and from what has been strangled and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourselves from these things, you'll do well. Farewell. So when they were sent off, they went down to Antioch, and having gathered the congregation together, they delivered the letter. And when they had read it, they rejoiced because of its encouragement. Don't you love a happy ending? Right? They all agreed, they sent it down, and they all rejoiced. Everyone in Antioch was happy. Well, everyone except for this guy. He was, he was not happy. But do you, see that, do you see that they came together? They came to agreement. They shared that with the people of Antioch. And the people of Antioch were greatly encouraged. That, that is how you resolve major differences. So let's just kind of walk back through the passage a, a little bit at a time and, and talk about just some really practical applications of all right, today, when we have differences, how, how do we handle these things? How, how should we work through them? I think the, the early disciples and apostles gave us some really good examples. And the first one is this. And this might sound really oversimplified. But let's be honest with ourselves. When we have a disagreement with somebody, do we always go directly to them first? I think a lot of times we either just let it fester or we go to somebody else to talk about it, right? And then, you know, maybe somewhere down the line, after it's become this full-blown controversy and problem, then all of a sudden we have a, a conversation. And I want to say that these principles, even though we're talking about in this context, we're talking about doctrinal disagreements, I think these principles are universal. Any kind of disagreement that we have with one another, we are brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. And we need to be able to wrestle through these differences. And so as you look at, as you look at these early followers of Jesus, this first century church, they, they wrestled with it. They had the debate. They had the discussion. They were talking to one another. The problem is if we leave things unresolved, I will say that unresolved disagreements become severe conflict. We, if we let it, if, if it's underlying and we just leave it there and we never, we never talk about it, all of a sudden when there's, when there's other pressures going on, all of a sudden these things bubble to the surface. Listen, I can tell you as a, as a pastor, I've had people come to me and, and they'll, they'll start talking about something that they disagree with. 
And as I'm trying to process what they're saying, it's a sermon that I preached a year and a half ago. But, they, but it's been eating at them for a year and a half, for 18 months. But, but because I just said something you know, else that Sunday morning that they were a little disturbed by, now all of a sudden, you know, that, that, that issue from 18 months ago is a big deal. And so, you know, then, then they finally come to me and talk to me. Okay? And maybe you've experienced that on both ends. Maybe, maybe you've experienced that way by people coming to you way after the fact. And if you're honest, you know, I think we've all had situations where we kind of, you know, candy coat it. We kind of let it slide because we, you know, it, for the most part, we don't like conflict. We don't like controversy. But yet, as we let it slide, then it, it just becomes worse and worse. Now, as you look at the example where Paul and Barnabas are talking, I think it's important to, to recognize that um, when Paul's talking about this, he does give God credit. It, it, in this next verse, you see that in verses 7 through 11, that Paul talks about the fact that, that God did this. God chose, God confirmed that he is, he's the one who cleansed their hearts, right? If we're having a controversy and a debate over a personal preference, is that really, it goes back to, is that an essential? I would say no, that's a non-essential. If I, if I say, you know, I, I want music done differently. Well, I'm not sure that you can biblically point to a chapter and verse and go, music should be done my way, right? That's a non-essential. That's something that we have to come together and, and work through and process and talk about. And so here's, here's Paul and Barnabas talking about, you know, giving God the credit. And he also, you know, goes further on that, listen, here's the definition of salvation. This is an essential doctrine that we've got to talk about because the Jews are adding works to their, to their salvation. They're saying that you've got to accept the grace and mercy of God, but then you also need to do these things. You need to follow Moses' law, especially when it comes to circumcision, in order to secure your place in the family of God. And that's just not true. So we have this example that they, they got together and they talked. But then you notice that after they had the debate, they, they went to some other wise people. They brought in some wise counsel. They went down to Jerusalem and they literally brought together the first theological summit. You know, there's, if, you, if you're a, 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 a history buff and you know about church history, you know that there's all kinds of councils that have come, come and gone over the years. And, and so they'll, they'll come together, they'll have a council, they'll debate over a theo theological statement, and they, they issue a, you know, here's, here's our doctrinal statement based on this. And, and, and we've been doing this for a thousand years. Well, here's the first example of the early church doing that. They came together and they said, we've got to get together the apostles, the, the leaders of the church, and we've got to talk about this together. The book of Proverbs gives us many examples where it talks about there's, there's wisdom in, in multi multitude of counselors that bringing together 
wise people, people that are biblical in their thinking, people that, that are, are living uh, um, a wise life. They, they have good judgment brought together, and they talk through this challenge. And so as they, as they do, they come to this conclusion. They, they, they come to the conclusion that we're made right with God through Jesus Christ. Just the, the, the basis of the good news of Jesus Christ is that he died on the cross for our sins. He shed his blood to, make the, to pay the penalty for our sins. He defeated sin. And then he rose again on the third day. He defeated death. And he did those things so that you and I, if we put our faith in him, we can stand before a holy God, not in our righteousness, because that would never work, but we can stand before a holy God in Jesus' righteousness and be accepted and have fellowship and be restored to a holy and righteous God. And so when you start adding these other things to it, you start to distort and weaken the value of the gospel. And so they, they, they had frank conversations. They had a debate, a, a healthy debate. They brought in wise counsel. And then the last thing is they looked to God's word. They, they didn't just come together and say, well, I think this or I think that. Did you notice that they, they went back to the Old Testament and they said, here's, here's our text. This, in God's word, it talks about the fact that there will be Gentiles that will be brought in to the family of God. And, and there's nothing in that text that says they have to do all of the Mosaic practices to become a Jesus follower. And so they, they went to God's word. Listen, when we have discussions, unfortunately, when it comes to theology, I've seen more often than not, people will go to the teachings of the church or they'll go to their favorite online preacher. They'll go to YouTube and, the, and they'll, they'll pull up, you know, John MacArthur or, or whoever they like and whoever they follow. And they'll say, well, he teaches dot, 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 dot. Well, but have you really searched the scriptures and studied them for yourself? Have you, have you sought wise counsel from other people that are studying the scriptures? You see, it's not just a matter of talking about our opinions. It's not just a matter about making compromise. It's a matter of looking at God's word and seeing what God's word says and what's important according to God's word. And so an example of this, Paul wrote later on to the Ephesians, he gave this description of what it is to be a Jesus follower, that, that we, are, we are saved by faith alone, not anything that we can do. There are no good works that can get you into heaven. If you're here this morning and, and you have never made that decision to follow Jesus, let me tell you that what the Jews were doing that day, we do the same thing today. This isn't something isolated that happened 2,000 years ago. In fact, there are entire denominations, there are entire religions that are based on the fact that you have to earn God's favor, that somehow you have to punish yourself or sacrifice or, or give up these certain things or what, you know, whatever their rules and religious practices and regulations are, it's 
follow Jesus and, and follow our rules. Listen, the good news of Jesus Christ is we can't do it in and of ourselves. The simple gospel is putting faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And so, as you look at this, they, you know, they came to that conclusion. They, they came to the conclusion that this is, a, this is an important matter. But they, but they also said, when they wrote to Antioch, they said, we don't want you to follow Jewish religious practices. You don't have to be circumcised to be saved. But we do have these three things that we want to suggest to you. Now, you notice that they didn't say, these are three things that you have to do in order to be a Jesus follower, right? But there was a, 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 an ability on their part, there was a, a, a request on their part, that you need to be mindful of these other brothers in Christ that are struggling with this issue. You can spend some time in some other passages and see where Paul talks about this very thing of not being a stumbling block to another brother or sister in Christ. So there may be some things that we disagree on, but at times we need to be able to set aside our preferences in order to be able to be a blessing and an encouragement to a fellow believer. Let me just give you one example. Uh, alcohol, drinking, right? There's some people that feel very strongly that you should never, ever have any type of alcohol. There are others that, that look at Scripture and go, well, no, it doesn't say that. It only says drunkenness. So I can, there's nothing wrong with having some, uh, some fruit of the vine, right? You guys grow... You know, vineyards, right? And so you have wine or whatever, right? There's some people that say, in my, in my freedom of being a Jesus follower, I, I have the freedom to do this. Well, here's the thing. I think the example that we see from this first century is that it's probably a good idea for those that feel that they have that freedom to, in certain circumstances, respect those that, that don't claim that freedom. So I personally, if you, you know, if I, if I don't have a problem with drinking alcohol, but I'm, I'm at a guest at a home or I'm going out to dinner with this other family that I know feels differently than I do, I'm going to refrain, right? Because I'm respecting their situation and their perspective. Now, is that an essential doctrine? No, it's not. That's not the gospel, right? That's not at the, the core of our doctrinal beliefs. That's a non-essential. But yet, the early church is saying to the people at Antioch, make sure that we agree on this essential, how people become a Jesus follower. But maybe at times you need to compromise and you need to have grace towards those who have a different opinion when it comes to non-essential things. So listen, as we, as we look at this passage and we talk about doctrine, especially, I want to share with you this statement. It's something that's been said over and over again for a thousand years to the point where now it's hard to even, like, who do you attribute to? Like, I'm not sure exactly who even said this first. But this statement, it says this, that in essential 
things, we need to have unity. In non-essential things, liberty. In other words, give, give some space, allow others to practice things a little bit different than your view. But in all things, charity. And unfortunately, when you look at any type of church split, when you look at any type of denominational beginnings, unfortunately, a lot of times, there is no charity. There's no love involved. There's, there's a lot of finger pointing. There's a lot of raised voices. There's, there's a lot of strong opinions. But listen, at the end of the day, that person that you have a disagreement with, if they are a Jesus follower, they are created in the image of God just like you. And they are a brother and sister in Christ with you. And they are going to be standing around the throne, worshiping God for thousands of years, right next to you. You think maybe we ought to show each other a little bit of love? Are we going to have differences? Are we going to have different theology, different opinions, different practices? Sure. But I would say whether it's theology or 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 other issues, non-essential issues, I would say this. Remember that you need to settle disputes before disputes unsettle you. To go back to that earlier statement as far as that, that unresolved disagreement becomes serious conflict. We need to, we need to settle these things. We, we can't let them fester. We've got to address them. We've got to talk through them. We've got to bring wise counsel in. We've got to be able to set aside our preferences, make sure that we're together on the essentials and being willing to agree to disagree on the things that are non-essential. I just pray that whether now or in the future, that as you have disagreements, that you're able to follow the example of the early church fathers and, and be able to work through your differences in a biblical manner. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Our gracious God, we, we thank you for the fact that your word is not only full of, of doctrinal truth, there's not only passages that talk about your holiness and your, your greatness and your attributes, but there's also passages that, that show us the, the humanity of those that followed you, the, the, the people that laid the foundation. God, we thank you that the, that the gospel was for Gentiles. For, for almost every one of us in this room, we, we would be classified as Gentiles. And it's because of Paul and Barnabas and, and the early work of the, of the early church that the gospel went out from Jerusalem and went to other places around, around the the. the uh, founding areas of that time that eastern asia and, and europe and and all of minor asia and all those er all those areas lord that the gospel went out to people like us that that are not of jewish descent and god we thank you for the freedom the fact that we are not tied down to those mosaic laws that you established in the old testament but that we have freedom through your son jesus christ and God, we thank you for the fact that we can 
have disagreements. We can completely disagree, but yet walk away brothers and sisters in Christ, loving one another, encouraging one another, and honoring you. And just pray that we, will, we are able to do this in all that we do. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.